everyone has their opinions. But Pastor Ed Taylor says there's actually something even better to share with others. You know, God's word is more important than your opinion. I don't get many amens for that, but it's true. We need to learn on a regular basis to submit our opinions to the word of God. But the way things are going in our culture today, people think their opinions are more important than the word of God. And they're not. My opinion doesn't matter. What does God's word say? And I have to train myself because being in places that I am, I'll often be asked the question, hey, Ed, what do you think about this? And if I'm not careful, I'll tell somebody what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. What does God's word say? This is amazing grace. Maybe your church has gone through a building project and dedication to the Lord. It's a wonderful time to look back on the faithfulness of God. And though it's just a building, it can be used greatly to glorify the Lord. Today on Abounding Grace, we turn your attention to 1 Kings 8, where the temple is now completed and about to be dedicated to God. Pastor Ed Taylor shows us now how this too testified of God's faithfulness. In Hebrews 9 verse 4, it says, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which was the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. But in, king, in Kings here, now, when, now let's fast forward with all that in mind, because I, I know that some of you uh, weren't familiar with the Ark of the Covenant or the mercy seat, so we, we've covered that. Coming back to 1 Kings, you'll notice back in our study in 1 Kings here, there's only one thing in the Ark of the Covenant, and it is the Ten Commandments. Why? Well, I think there's an important illustration for us to grasp. The miraculous manna and the budding of Aaron's rod are absent to give highlight, to give focus to the steadfastness and reliability of God's word. That's all that's left in the ark at this time, just God's word. It's not the miraculous manna. It's not what they were fed with faithfulness. The, the, what's being highlighted now as the nation is coming into fruition is the faithfulness of God's word. What lasts, what endures, and what is absolutely essential is the word of God. Signs and wonders, you know, things that God does in the miraculous, those are great, but they pale in comparison to the steadfastness of God's word. As I prayed earlier, I was just so encouraged. I was reminded in some things I was reading today from my own life that how does our faith, like faith is the overcoming, that's the overcoming aspect of our lives and how do we grow our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we remember the faithfulness of God, the steadfastness of God, as we get a peek into the ark here, as the to Solomon is dedicating the temple, it's just the word of God in there. It's just his words. Jesus would say later in Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will no means pass away. You can trust his word. You know, God's word is more important than your opinion. I don't get many amens for that, but it's true. We need to learn on a regular basis to submit our opinions to the word of God. But the way things are going in our culture today, people think their opinions are more important than the word of God. And they're not. My opinion doesn't matter. 
What does God's word say? And I have to train myself because being in places that I am, I'll often be asked the question, hey, Ed, what do you think about this? And if I'm not careful, I'll tell somebody what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. What does God's word say? It doesn't matter what I think. I might change my mind. I might think this one day and then next week I have a different thought, but what doesn't change between Monday here and Tuesday over here is God's word. And I need to learn, and I'm not the only one, so don't be pointing fingers at me. I'm not the only one that needs to learn how to train my mind to think and to share and to be washed by the word of God, to, to take it in regularly, knowing that whether I feel it or not, whether I believe it or not, whether I understand it or not, God says his word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for what it is sent. It doesn't say I have to understand it. It doesn't say I have to figure it all out. It doesn't say that I've got to wrestle with the greatest theological things in the world. It doesn't say I have to go to seminary for 10 years. All it says is get the word of God in you, read the Bible, Ed, and your faith will be built up. And I'll give you understanding when you need it. Don't you understand? You know, I think that in life sometimes we're on a need-to-know basis and how often we don't need to know. But when we do need to know, we find out. And so turning our, our hearts and attention toward the word is so important. So here's Solomon. He's dedicating the temple. And here's the Ark of the Covenant's coming in. It's, a, it's, no, it's no small thing that the Ark of the Covenant is coming in. It's no small thing that the mercy seat is there. That is still going to be the place where God says, I will meet you there. You come in. That's where I'll cover sin. That's where I want the high priest to come in once a year with the sacrifice. And that's where sin will be covered. It's going to be that way in the temple. This is God's will pointing to Jesus Christ. And notice verse 14. The king turned around. This is back in 1 Kings now. The king turned around and he blessed the whole congregation of Israel while the congregation of Israel was still standing. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who spoke with his mouth to my father David and with his hand has fulfilled it saying, since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people, Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, that's the temple, you did well that it was in your heart. And by the way, let me just pause there for a second. God will put things on our heart. He, he will put desires in our heart. But like David, he won't allow us to complete them. But it's still good that God put it in your heart. I know it gets discouraging. I'm sure it was discouraging for David that, man, he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He loved God so much. But God said no. I think of Paul in another... What I'm referring to in, a, in Christianese, you know, language we may throw around, is I'm talking about a closed door. I'm talking about, man, I have this desire. I think it's from the Lord, but then God says no. I think of Paul the Apostle, he's, want, he's going around wanting to do a great thing, plant churches, plant churches. I want to plant churches. I want to find a place where there isn't a church and plant a church. That's what brought us to, to Aurora, although it wasn't like there was no church here, but we wanted to be in a place where there was a need for the kind of ministry that God has called us to, verse by verse teaching, and that's how we ended up in Aurora. I, I share that heart with Paul very similarly. And, and so here he is wanting to go, and the Bible speaks of him wanting to go into Asia. And the Holy Spirit said no. As a matter of fact, I think the phrase is the Holy Spirit forbid him. What do you mean forbid me? I want to plant a church. No. 
So he says, okay, well, if you won't let me there, then I'll try around here. And God said, no, which then led him to get a vision. He ends up going down to Philippi, and he gets to meet uh, the woman at the, the, the women that were praying by the river, and he plants a church in Philippi. Like, so God wanted to use him, but not there. That's an example just like David. I want to do something. I believe planting churches and reaching people with the gospel is from you, Lord, but God says no. So you can have real spiritual desires, and God could tell you no. And I just want you to know, it's still good that you had that desire. That's what the Bible says here. It's still good. It's still good that you want to do something from the, for the Lord. It's still good that you want to obey him. It's still good, even if God says no. And once you get over the pain, you'll see it. You'll look back and you'll begin to appreciate the no's of God. You don't like them in the, you don't like them in the beginning. And you don't like them in the middle of them. <laughs> and you don't like them pretty much all the time. But you can look back and say, you know, I remember when God said no. And he really used that in my life. I'm really glad that he turned me in a new direction. Or like David, you know, he didn't get to see it. But like David, man, it was so good that my son got to do that. I didn't get to do it, but my boy did. That's pretty cool. I get to see the next generation raised up. I mean, so he, David didn't get to see that. I don't know what people in heaven actually get to see. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that all works. Maybe he did. I mean, God hasn't revealed exactly how that all works, but it's good that you had that desire. Don't give up on the Lord because he closed the door on you. It's good that you had that desire. And it's good if someone else got to be a part of it, even if it doesn't feel good. That's how the Lord is sometimes and our emotions. Okay, verse 19. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall come from your loins, he shall build the house for my name. So the Lord fulfilled his word, which he spoke. And that's kind of a cool thing in verse 20 because they're standing right next to the temple. They're like, the Lord fulfilled his word. Look at it. Here we are. This is it. God did what he said he was going to do. And that promise is still true for you. God is going to do what he said he's going to do in your life. And the proof is right now. Can you imagine what a feeling that is? God has fulfilled his word. Well, I don't see it. Dude, it's right here. You're standing in front of it. Like some of you are like really wrestling right now with that very fact. Well, God didn't do. Listen, you're here. You're surrounded by people that God has done a work in. And he's doing a work in you. You are, you are surrounded by people that are walking testimonies of the faithfulness of God. So you keep walking by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And one day, you're going to be a testimony. But even while you're walking by faith, even while you're taking the next step, you're a testimony to the faithfulness of God. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day. It, it will be completed. That, that he will perfect, the Bible says, that which concerns you. He will bring it to fruition. So the people are blessed. The temple is there. He turns around and blesses them and encourages them with the faithfulness of God. He reminds them that God has fulfilled his word. David didn't get to do it, but still David's desire was, was a good desire. Verse 21, And there I've made a place for the ark in which the covenant of the Lord, which he made for our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. That's where we're going to stop today. We're not going to make it. I'm not even going to try. I think the Lord took us on a little detour with a little bit more time of just remembering the mercy seat, remembering the faithfulness of God, remembering the word of God. I know sometimes you're sitting in a Bible study and you might be kind of arguing with me a little bit. Man, that's so simple. I already know that, Ed. But the reality is, is do we really? We need to be reminded so many times of the faithfulness of God. We need to be reminded so many times that it's God's will, not our will. Do you know the Bible teaches us that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. 
That there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. That, that the best thing that we can do is submit ourselves to the will of God, to the gracious faithfulness of God, to, to keep in mind, you know, it was just a building, the temple, but it was a building dedicated to be used by God, just a building. That's all it was. It was just a building. But that building was a testimony of the faithfulness of God. It was the testimony of his presence among his people. It was a testimony of the, the faithfulness of David in his life. It was a testimony that God still speaks to his people. It was a testimony that you can start something and finish something. It's a testimony that you bring in the Ark of the Covenant so God can meet you with you here. He, you have the place, the one place where your sins will be covered. Over, I know it was just a building. I know it was just brick and mortar, if you will. But it was much more than that. That box it was just a wooden box overlaid in gold. It wasn't even made of pure gold. Why did God not make it out of pure gold? Because the wood was a picture. And so was the gold. The wood had significance. It would be easy to look at the Ark of the Covenant and go, well, what's the big deal? It's just wood, acacia wood. I, got bush, I, got, I pay guys to get that out of my backyard. And that's going to be the most important piece of furniture in the temple? Yeah, why? Because God said so. Yeah, but I don't understand. It's dumb. I've got, all, I've got all kinds. I've got scrap. I put that in the fire. Well, it doesn't matter if you understand or not. That's what God wants. Appreciate it until you get the revelation of why he's doing it. Trust him. I mean, that's a word from the Lord for some of you. It could be radio. It could be here in the room. I know the Lord's speaking to my heart about that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say it comes by studying the word of God, although that's good doesn't say it come by understanding that oh, that's good just hear it read it out loud play a little app on your phone and have somebody else read it to you read it to your kids before you go to bed when you were when we're praying what are we teaching you how to do how you know all this time of prayer what do you think we're doing we're teaching you how to pray why because you learn how to pray by praying and one of the things we're trying to get you to do and there's a lot of things we're trying to get you to do, but this latest one that we're really emphasizing, whether you notice it or not, is to pray with an open Bible and read the scripture before you pray. Just read it. And it was so encouraging to hear the victory of the Lord. And it was so encouraging to hear that from the victory of the Lord came the exhortation, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Where does that come from? The victory of Jesus. Nobody needed to teach you that. All you need to do is read it. It was right there to take right off the pages so to inspire your prayer. That was my scripture. That's why it's on my mind. That was the one I had. And I was just so encouraged as I was reading. I was like, victory, steadfastness, immovability. And I began to pray about the things that move me. I began to pray about the things that make me unstable. And some people came to mind and I brought them before the Lord. I didn't bring their name up but the Lord knows who they are and I brought them before the Lord who's been a little movable lately. It's been a little unstable. They love the Lord, but man, things just coming and, and, and what is it? What is it that brings back stability? What is it that brings back strength? The victory that Jesus has already. So why the, ta why the little box, acacia wood? Why, over, why the mercy seat? Because things in the New Testament wouldn't make sense if the ark wasn't done the way that God said it was supposed to be done. 
we wouldn't be able to be talking about the faithfulness of God in the span of thousands of years that God had a plan and a purpose for what's going on in that little box and it pointed to a cross thousands of years ahead of time. And it wasn't for David to make it and it wasn't for David to build that temple at this time. It was for Solomon to do it. Even though David really wanted to, I'm sure he was bummed out when he found out he couldn't, but it was still a good desire. Man, I'm telling you guys. I went through the school this morning saying hi to the kids and, and I walked into different, depending on what class it was, I had a different conversation with the kids. And in one of the older classes, uh, uh, maybe sixth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I think, um, I asked them what they, you know, what were their devos before class? Because man, you know, you got to get up early, you got to eat, got to run, got to go. And so I'm like, what would you guys do? And, and they're kind of looking at me like, well, we haven't done devos yet. And I go, I, I said, no, not devos like here before you come here. And, and out of the class, a couple kids were sharing, you know, I did devos. Uh, one didn't remember, but that's fine. It's okay. And one shared on the Proverbs. They went through the Proverbs, but also I don't think he remembered either. But for, for, for them, when I'm walking through there, which I don't get to do very often, when I walk through there, that class, the Lord wanted me to encourage them in the Word of God. Then I walked through and I went through another class and they were much younger kiddos. Man, was, they were learning how to write to 100, which was great. So one of the kids wanted to meet, me to hang out until he wrote to 100. And I said, why don't you do 10? Let's do 10. <laughs> and so he finishes his name, and he writes one day, all the way through 10. I go, man, that's awesome. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage him because he was a lefty. And I said, hey, my dad was a lefty. And who else is lefties in here? And so there were like three or four other kids with lefties. Yay. And then I wanted to make sure. And I said, man, that's a special thing to write left hand. I can't write left hand. And, and talking to them. But then I don't want to leave the right-handers out either. I said, I'm a right-hander. But you know, God made right-handers too. And so coming in, wanting to establish them that God made you special. Like you might write differently, but God made you that way. And you might write like this way, but God made you that way. Like... The, the reality of the presence of God in our lives, we've got to wake up with the consciousness of God in our lives. And I did something different with each of the kids that I went through and, and just really encouraged them just in a, a little bit to get their eyes on the Lord. To, to, in, at their level and their age, I, couldn't, I didn't talk to all of them, and, and just, see, just see the opportunities. Like, like To me, I think that's how the Lord sees us as he goes through the room. And for some of you, he's affirming that, God, I, I made you the way you are. It might be a little different. You might think a little different. You might be creative. You might be more analytical. You, you may not read very well. You might, but, but, but that's, that's how I'm going to use you. Some of you, God, he might be walking through today just as a loving father to you, just affirming to you that I, that I know you're single, but I'm with you. You're not someone that's less special than a married person. I love you the way you are. Some of you might have walked in with such a heavy burden in your marriage. And you're just like, the Lord is walking through and saying, I, I know it's hard in your marriage right now, but I'm with you. Some of you are just wondering, like, whatever your relationship with God is at all. And God has you here saying, I love you. I sent my son, Jesus Christ. It started with a box, but it ended with a cross. Really, it didn't really end with a cross. It ended with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he's alive today. But the final work of Jesus was on the cross. This isn't exciting. So now that we didn't finish, you'll have time to read ahead. How joyful this day must have been. All the hard work, all the waiting. How wonderful is the king turns around and blesses 
the whole congregation of Israel and says that God is so faithful. He kept his word. It's right here. We're going to get to worship in it. We're going to gather together. And it's so good to see God fulfill his word. In Psalm 138, verse 8, let me read it to you from the New Living. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. That's the New King James uh, scripture that I quoted, that the Lord will perfect his work. Sometimes the New Living just blows it up, man. I love this. Listen, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Oh, man. And you know what the promise of God is? I will never leave you or forsake you, even if you feel like it. Go ahead and say, Lord, don't abandon me. And he's going to say, I promise you never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you. And in Philippians 1, 6 was the other verse. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. For I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. There might be a detour. It might be a delay. There might be difficulties. I didn't mean for all those to be D words, but it worked really good. But God's going to complete his work. I promise you that. Not on the authority of Ed Taylor, but on the authority of God's word. And that's where we'll end tonight. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of Ed Taylor's new study in 1 Kings. Ed, in today's lesson, Solomon is dedicating the temple. And as you said, this is a testimony of God's faithfulness. Can you think of an example here at Calvary Chapel Aurora where we experienced something similar? Larry, we were just talking about this today in our staff meeting, rehearsing the faithfulness of God. You know, as a church, we've been ministering here in Aurora, Colorado for just under 19 years. And just thinking through the faithfulness of God in so many different ways, whether it was moving from the school into our current facility or having to add to it or make room for the kids here or add more space for the junior high high school, whether it's adding to our parking lot, whether it's even preparing now to remodel uh, our downstairs fellowship area and cafe. And and I know that's all practical things, uh, even as Solomon's dedicating the temple. And so we rejoice in practical things. But I have to say this, of all that I look back upon in serving God here for the last 19 years, the faithfulness of God is seen in changed lives. And I mean, there's not a week that goes by that we don't hear from someone within our fellowship, from someone that listens in on the radio or watches online or any of the ways that we're able to communicate, social media, email, all of that, that God truly uses our little church and the opportunity to teach the Bible and extend love here in a part of his huge plan for people's lives. And I mean, God's faithfulness is seen at every turn, both practically, you know, I mean, any of the practicalities, not just related to the building, and more importantly, spiritually. So I appreciate you asking that because I think people listening in, you guys listening in, could very easily not think of God's faithfulness. Uh, just, Just rehearsing your own salvation. Uh, but it's great to be able to to see something tangible and practical that is accomplished for the Lord, whether it's a short-term mission trip or it's you shared the gospel with your boss or 
You were able to pray for five days straight. I mean, may we rehearse the faithfulness of God, because even when we are faithless, the Bible says he remains faithful. Thank you for sharing that, my friend. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is call and request a CD copy. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or access the messages online at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. We'll pick up where we left off in 1 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.